Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Blind Argument with her being... <laughs> Davinia Lafroy. And myself being... Oh, am I meant to answer that? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Honshooten. <laughs> uh, welcome along and uh, thanks for all your feedback from the uh, last couple of uh, Blind Arguments. Really appreciate it. And uh, don't forget, if you'd like to get in touch with us or suggest a topic that Davinia and I could um, bat around the uh, the cricket field, all you need to do is drop an email to info, I-N-F-O, at visibility.com.au. Davinia, what are we chatting about today? We are going to talk about independence and support seeking. So when it's great to be independent, what it feels like to be independent, when perhaps it's a good idea to seek a bit of extra support, perhaps so you can be more independent. What do you mean by seek support? Can you explain that a little bit to me? Well, sometimes if we've got a goal of independence, we actually need a little bit of a hand to get there. And I know that that sounds like you're not being independent, but in fact, in our view, or in my view at least, you're probably going to contradict me, but in my view, to be independent, we often need a little bit of a hand on the way. So you're saying that you might need to seek a little bit of help or ask for some assistance or something like that in trying to be or gain your independence? Absolutely. Gaining it and maintaining it. Have you got an example of where you've had to ask for some support to become more independent or remain oh, independent? Absolutely. So many examples. The first one that springs to mind, though, isn't actually my example. It mm-hmm. um, happened to a friend of mine and another vision impaired person in our community. She often likes to go to bands and bars and music festivals and things like that, she will ask the bar staff to show her to the bathroom so that she can go and see a band on her own because none of her friends want to go to the same one. So in that way, she's being really independent, consistent with the kind of things that she wants to do, but she does need a bit of a hand to find the bathroom. That's uh, interesting because I generally will do it the other way around Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm out because I do like to do the same, go to bands, Mm -hmm. bars, restaurants, cafes all the time. I mean, food is just um, one of the best things in the world. Mm -hmm. But I'll quite often say to one of my friends, you know, look, do you need to go to the toilet? Or, hey, I really need to go to the bathroom. Can you show me where it is? Which is interesting because I was thinking about this just before. You know, sometimes, not all of my friends, but sometimes they get a little bit funny. They Mm -hmm. get a bit like, oh, you know, um, I don't really need to go right now. Or you'll get the other one where they'll say, oh, absolutely, no hassles. You know, I don't need to go, but I'll take you. Or every Um, five minutes, they're saying, do you want to go to the bathroom? bathroom, And you're like, Mm. no, no, still not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in fact, I have a bit of problem because um, one of my friends has only got one kidney, so generally doesn't go to the bathroom (laughs) as much as anybody else. That is so inconvenient. um, (laughs) It is very inconvenient. For both of you, Um, by the sounds of it. Yes, yes. And the other thing is is that sometimes you've got to um, be very alert. And when you hear one of your friends stand up, and sometimes it's, you know, even a female friend and you say, oh, where are you going? And they say, off to the bathroom. So, oh, can I tag along? Mm. So it's that constant having to monitor and listen, and, mm-hmm. you know, to hear that scrape of the chair and then and ask. And um, I mean, I'm lucky now that with a lot of my female friends that they don't get upset when I ask them to go to the bathroom. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not going to the same one as them. I just say, look, walk me to the door or show me, point me in the right direction. But Sometimes it has caused a little bit of embarrassment. I can imagine. Yeah, especially for the, you know, if we're out of the group for the first time and or, you know, first time I've ever met them. Um, and they're a bit like, oh, uh, do I have to come in with you? Or, you know, so they're a bit unsure. So it can be a bit difficult. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I've never thought about asking the bar staff when, you know, I've been there on my own. So Yeah, so um, that's one way of doing mm, it. Another mm. another way that actually another friend of mine did, um, she was wanting to go, again, it sounds like I've got all these really independent blind friends, but I guess I do. Um, she was wanting to go to a music festival. None of her friends wanted to go. So she actually put a message on the Facebook page of the festival and said, can I please pair up with someone here who can show me where to get my drinks, where to go to the bathroom and where the entry is. So she actually found a random stranger through social media to give her a bit of assistance, but other than that, was completely independent and enjoyed herself pretty solo. So it's really possible, but sometimes you've got to reach out to be able to achieve that independence. And I guess that's one of the hardest bits, though, isn't it, is being able to reach out and mm-hmm. ask. Um, you know, working with a lot of the teenagers here as youth support officer, I find that a lot of vision-impaired teenagers feel that um, they can't reach out and ask because they feel like they're annoying. Or, you mm-hmm. know, that's, this is what I've been told by one of them. She feels like she's annoying people when she has to ask for assistance with things. So I have come across cases where some of them um, haven't asked, um, and even you know myself at camps and things like that, they just haven't asked us. Mm. And they've ended up going without or missing out or being uncomfortable mm-hmm. or something like that because they just feel that they're being such a burden on society by asking for that assistance. So how can we sort of work around that? You know, how do we, um, because let's face it, we've got a disability. There are times when we are going to need assistance and mm-hmm. we are going to have to seek some help. How do we, what's the best way to sort of work that up? You know, because it doesn't just come naturally. I yeah. can't just, I just didn't walk out one day and start asking mm. people for assistance. And and I do, even now, how old am I? Like, you know, mid 40s so something. Old. I am so old. And even now, sometimes when I go to ask for assistance, I get a little bit twitchy, a little bit nervous and think, oh, I'm not sure if I want to do this. It'd be easier if I could just do it on my own. What advice would you give? Well, look, just to backtrack slightly, I'm quite surprised by that because you're actually telling me to do things and asking for my help all the time, Ryan. So I'm a little bit surprised when you say sometimes you get twitchy. But maybe we can actually look at you as an example. Were there times when you were a teenager when you didn't ask for stuff? I can't remember back that far. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I well, can. Um, and there were yeah. certainly, certainly situations where I missed out on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. because I didn't ask. I guess one thing you can do if you've got a good relationship with someone who's a bit more outspoken than you, you can always ask them to advocate for you and do the speaking up. That could be your parent. That could be a real sort of loudmouth friend of yours. That actually can be a stranger because sometimes strangers are, are kind of pretty happy to advocate for someone else as long as it's not themselves. So you can ask someone else. You can always just practice as well at home, like practice on a safe person, practice on someone where you don't mind if they push back a little bit, practice asking from someone who's close to you. Actually, I can remember because um, that's back when when I was a teenager, especially when I was um, just left high you can school. Can remember now? I yeah, can, yeah. Okay. Um, and I was running my business back then and doing mm-hmm. the DJ work. And I used to get the bills you know, for the business would add up, add up, add up, and mount up. And you know, we're talking back in the days when there really wasn't that sort of um, like technology like now. So there was no scanners and things like that. Well, I mean, there were some out, but they were that expensive, and you had to go to the Perth, you know, library or something like that to go access them. So it wasn't convenient, and I used to have to, I used to dread actually going to one of my sisters or my partner at the time or my mum and say to them, you know, can we sit down and go through these bills and all this paperwork? Um, mm. Because oh, same thing, I didn't want to inconvenience them. And sometimes when I did ask, not that they were being horrible, but they'd get a little bit frustrated and mm. go, you know, oh, yeah, all right, if we have to sort of, you know, that sort of tone in their voice. And it would sometimes really put me off 
asking. Mm. And what it ended up doing is that actually um, it worked against me because I wouldn't ask. I'd leave it so long till finally I just couldn't leave it. And the job actually became bigger than it should have been. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it still happens to this day. You know, sometimes I'll put off asking things um, around the house where I live, you know, um, mm. for a bit of assistance. You know, I mean, I have got a scanner now built into my phone. I have mm-hmm. got access to all these things. But sometimes the print just isn't clear enough, so I can't mm. get it. So sometimes I've got to, because I live with my sister, I've got to say, hey, Sis, um, can you tell me what this is? Mm. So know, you're so. suggesting here, ask early before the problem gets oh, I bigger. I think so. And then find a place within what you have to achieve to, you know, kind of get the assistance early and then insert yourself back into the project and go, okay, I can take it from here. So as a parent of a child with a disability, though, how I'm, this, I'm not meaning you are a parent. No, because um, I'm not. But if you're a parent listening and you've got a child with disability, um, how do you think we could encourage those parents to help those children ask for help when they need it? Well, I think a lot of it's modelling. I mean, parents, I'm sorry, children really do take their cue from their parent, from from their primary caregiver. So if you're busy asking for help and assistance, they're going to learn from you as to how to do that. And then I guess allow, allow the child to ask from you. So let the child know that there's no silly questions and there's nothing that they can't ask from you. Don't do everything for them, but perhaps give them a little bit of verbal indication as to how they might go about doing something. That, that they're challenged by. Mm. I was talking to a parent just recently uh, about their child and they said their child sometimes by the time they ask for help, they're quite frustrated mm. because they've really tried to work on whatever they were doing by themselves to remain independent. And they said it was sort of quite upsetting to see how frustrated they would get by the time they had to ask. Mm. How do we deal with that though? How do you, um, you know, you, you don't want to take from the child because they've tried to achieve something on their own. Mm. Um, but you also want to encourage, but then it's it would be really hard as a parent to see that, I guess. It absolutely would be, but there's a couple of parts of that that I don't mind happening. You know, if a child's frustrated, that's also telling you that the child's really passionate. So I'd really be renaming that as passion with them and saying, mm-hmm. I know you're frustrated, but I think that that's because you've just got a lot of get up and go in you. And I think that's really fantastic. And I'm so glad that you want to be able to do this and I want you to be able to do it too. So I'd really start by reframing that and then I just work through it with with them and just go well what do you want to do in my experience maybe you want to do it like this let's let's try out a few options and then of course as the parent naturally that is really hard to see your child in any kind of pain or frustration so then you you self-care and you manage that maybe you you have a debrief with somebody or or you or you pamper yourself or you you just really acknowledge that, that it can be really hard and I that. guess here you could throw in a little bit of tough love and, uh, you know, sit back and watch your child get a little bit frustrated mm. and try and let them work it out for themselves mm-hmm. rather than jumping in too early mm. and taking over and taking whatever they're doing off mm. them and doing it for them. Which Absolutely. Is... While I'm not a proponent of tough love as as our, <laughs> as our as my foe Ryan here is... Oh, I'm definitely I, a tough love person. I do think that children need to experience in the safety of of home and childhood really difficult emotions because if they experience them as children when they get bigger later on in life, it's not going to be a surprise Mm. that stuff is hard and sometimes things feel bad. 
Do you think, I mean, you can do a bit of nurturing too. So you can mm. encourage your child to ask for help and assistance. And, mm. and I guess by doing that and um, letting them know that they're not annoying you when you ask, you know, mm. and I know, look, today we're all very busy people. Most families, um, both parents are working or if you're mm. a single parent, you know, you're working full time, you've got school, you've got sports, you've got housework, you've got so much going on. And I really understand that sometimes it is easier just to do something for the child rather than, you know, waiting the 20 minutes or the 30 minutes it might take or whatever it takes, you know, for mm. them to work it out for themselves. It is very easy to just grab it off them and say, look, I'll do that, you know, because we're all very time poor. But I guess you're not really doing your child a favour, are you? Absolutely not. I think you're doing them a, a disservice. And, you know, underneath that is, whether it's intentional or not, a lack of belief in your child. And mm. that that is one of the most important things that you need to instill in any child, but I think particularly one with a disability who is is going to potentially have a little bit of a harder time as they grow up in life. So I think instilling a sense of belief in them that you think they're capable of doing things independently, they're then going to believe that too and be a lot more confident going forward. So if your child comes home and says, you know, teacher, you know, wanted me to do this today and I didn't want to do it or... Mm. My work's not been enlarged for me at school or mm. it's not been brailed or it's not been, you know, something like that. Instead of the parent going in and saying, well, I think you should do X, Y, Z for my child, mm. maybe it would be good or better for the parent to encourage the child to feel safe and confident enough to approach mm -hmm. the teacher and say, excuse me, miss, can I um, have that sorted out for me, please? Mm. You know, so I think we should also quickly give some examples that we've both um, been involved in with having to ask for some help and assistance. And, sure. you know, like last week... Um, I uh, decided to catch the train to Subiaco with you and mm -hmm. you kept you stayed on the train and um, I was looking for a particular place to go so I could have a, a meeting on my phone and stuff. Mm. And so I asked you and you gave me some directions. I and did. And they did. were very good directions. Mm. No matter what Ryan says next, they were very accurate and precise. Well, then they what were if I'd listened. Well, I didn't mm. listen and mm -hmm. <laughs> I got lost. And, but, I ended up, bushed. <laughs> but I ended up finding the place that I was looking for after not giving up and mm. having a bit of a wander around the uh, square there in Subiaco. But, you know, one of the things I had to do when I got to where I was to just confirm where I was, I asked the person, you know, behind the counter, I said, oh, can you tell me where I am? Mm. So, you know, he might have thought, what's this guy on about? Why doesn't he know where he is? Yes, I had my cane in my hand, so hopefully that gave a bit of an Indi indication. But, you know, it can feel a bit sometimes a bit silly having to ask a silly question like that. You and, know, where am I? And sometimes that's about well, letting go of what the other person's then going to think of you. You know, maybe that, maybe that guy thought, can't believe he doesn't know where he is. Or maybe he thought, great, I can have a conversation with this mm. person and it's going to go well. Just regardless, you needed to know where you were. So I think it's great that you actually just confirmed that and that would have given you a little bit of relief that, yeah, you were in the place that you needed to be. What about you? What about me? You've got lots of friends that uh, ask for help and advocate for themselves. What about you? Do I advocate for myself? Do you, Is that yes. what you're asking? Yeah. You don't when I ask you to make me a cup of tea. You Look, I do it sometimes, but I also it, want yeah. you to be able to do that for yourself because I believe in you, Ryan, you? and your capacity, just a small amount. Um, Gee, I'm glad that's recorded. Um. Yeah, <laughs> we might have to keep playing that. But. So, you know, I realised the other day that I'm much more comfortable with informal supports than I am with setting it up. And I'll tell you what I mean by that because it's 
kind of slightly complex perhaps. I travel a lot and I always used to book airport assistance and that's Mm -hmm. basically where you get to the airport and somebody takes charge of you and they whisk you through all the little areas and they put you in your seat. But I just found that I was like, you know, what if I want to get a coffee on the way? They're not going to stop and let me do that. Or what if I want to browse the shops? Like I just felt I couldn't, I guess, have the independence Mm -hmm. that I wanted Mm -hmm. to when I had that formal support set up. So now what I do when I travel is I just chitter chat and I talk and I ask questions and I probably look silly a lot of the time and I go the wrong way. But I end up feeling a lot more, I guess, fulfilled and independent in doing it that way. So for Mm. example, the other day I got off a plane and I was chatting to this person because I thought if I keep talking to them, they're going to walk to the same carousel because they've been on the same plane. Of course, they actually only had hand luggage. So they just walked on out of the (laughs) airport and I walked on out with them and then was like, I don't have my suitcase. So I just said to him, you're such a great conversationalist that I've walked out with you, but you're now going to need to walk me back to the carousel, mm. which he did. Please, and you smiled. I smiled a lot. Mm. Very, very polite. Did he you took me uh, Probably a little bit of that. Mm. He took me back to a carousel, but of course not to the correct one. So I was standing there on my own waiting. I thought, okay, so this is clearly not my carousel. So I moved towards where I could hear there were more people. I was still actually at the wrong carousel and some kind person recognized me and said, I think you're on my plane. Let's go this way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, eventually found my bag. Whilst that was a little bit higgledy-piggledy and it did require lots of conversation and yeah. it wasn't exactly the direct way, I feel better about that than mm-hmm. kind of having mm-hmm. someone with me the whole time. whole time and, and pretty much holding mm-hmm. your hand. So I guess what comes with this independence then and seeking support is also a little bit of patience. Mm-hmm. And trust. A little bit of tolerance. That the information's yes. out there as yeah, well and you're going to pick it up. Yeah. And especially the tolerance, because sometimes Mm. you might ask for help and, you know, the person you ask um, misinterprets what you need or what you mean. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, the worst thing you can do is get angry at Mm. that person because really at the end of the day, they're going out of their way to help you. Mm. Or they give you um, too much help. Help, yes, that's right. Yeah, like you say. If I can give another example that we were actually talking about a little while ago, my brother and I were in Melbourne many years ago and we went to a cafe which didn't have menus. They're just like my least favourite kinds of cafes. They had Mm. um, apparent all the food choices up on a blackboard up in the distance. So my brother actually just said to them, hey, we're vision impaired. Do you think you could read us the menu? They said that they would. They didn't. We were there for about half an hour. And eventually, after asking several times, one of the wait staff came over and said, we don't really have time for you. Is it okay if you guys go? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That, That's horrible. that experience, it mm. was really horrible. We were actually both not just hungry, mm. but we were really hurt that mm-hmm. somebody couldn't take oh, 10 slap in the face, isn't yeah. it? You know, and it really sends a funny feeling through your body. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it really threw us because I guess we did everything that we thought we could to ask. But I guess, you know, how do we get over it? We definitely complained to each other for quite mm. a while. And I suppose we've got the benefit of, of having that shared experience between between us. You know, we, we did just go to another place, though. And luckily, we found a place that was generous and inclusive and, and we could mm. get our needs met. But it does happen. You know, you get pushed back. Do you get pushed back? Yeah, yeah, you do occasionally. Oh, I remember once I was uh, going to do on a camping trip or something like that. So mm. I went into a camping shop unannounced and 
walked up to the counter and said, hi, um, you know, I'm vision impaired. This is what I need. And um, so they were really helpful and got all my stuff and all that sort of stuff. It was only when I got it home and I was showing some people that were going on the camping trip with me, they realised that this person had sold me a child-sized sleeping bag mm. um, and my hiking sticks that I'd bought were two different brands, two different sizes, and even the shoes that I bought weren't correct for really what I wanted. And, mm. and I'd actually spent nearly $500 at this place. So then, of course, I had to go back and take all the stuff back, you know, and it was really quite an inconvenience for me to go back because, um, mm. you know, we're now talking another taxi fare there and a taxi mm. fare home. So it was just really quite annoying, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I got a little bit upset with that. But, mm. look, we do have to, uh, I guess, you know, move on soon. But um, one of the things I want to say just quickly too with this independence and asking and seeking assistance is don't forget that mental high five. You've mm. got to give yourself that praise, you know. I don't care how many times you tell yourself, gee, I'm good. I mean, I do. I tell Ryan all the time that he's really, really good, you know, um, when I achieve something good because mm. you have to because it helps with your confidence. And even if it has meant you've gone to a restaurant or somewhere on your own, you've mm. successfully ordered a meal and done everything and made your way back out again on your own, if you do something like that, you've got to tell yourself. And parents, if you see your child do something and they do it well and they've got through the frustration, they've pushed through that barrier and they've achieved something, make sure you tell them, you know, that... You're really proud of them and proud of that they stuck to it and they tried, you know? Mm. I, so. I agree. I think, you know, give them that feedback that you've done it really well, but also give them the feedback that you expect them to do it really well and, and to do things independently and that, that that overall will be better for their self-esteem, their sense of capacity. And they'll just keep achieving. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> just like me and you. Um, anyway. What are we going to talk about next time? I don't know. Um, really? What do you want to talk about next time? Do you want to talk about accessibility? Yes, yes, okay, I would, because that's on the agenda, Ryan, as you're aware. What we... agenda? The agenda's not accessible to me. Uh, <laughs> we are going to talk next time anyway. um, about accessibility, how it feels when things are inaccessible, how it feels when they are accessible, what you can do about it if they aren't. So I think this is a great one for people with vision impairment and blindness to listen to, but also perhaps the people who want to make want to make this world accessible for all of us. Please. All right, so uh, you can get in touch with us um, like I said, uh, through info at visibility.com.au. We'd love to get your uh, topics you'd like us to discuss or argue about. We still haven't had a raging argument yet, but I'm sure we're building up to I it. I think so it's coming. I, I'm sure it is too. Ryan Honshuten here, Youth Support Officer at Visibility. Oh, and Davinia Lafroy, uh, Clinical Psychologist at Visibility <laughs> with a slight pause. They say pausing for effect sometimes works. Thanks for tuning in to The Blind Argument. Bye.